a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Kurds. Now, look, this group of uh, individuals or uh, Middle East individuals has, has made headlines for months now, Keith. They've been persecuted for a very, very long time. We're going to find out a bit of a history yep. behind the Kurds, why they've been persecuted by so many around them in the Middle East, why they don't have a homeland. We'll find out all those answers. But the reason we do this podcast is because we like to dispel uh, mistruths or sometimes shroud of secrecy around some of the, the issues that are going on in the world and just break them down, to really yeah. just make break them down into layman's sure. terms. And you're a master of this. You've been... Uh, you know, multiple PhDs on subject matters relating to international relations, and you are a media guru. You're very well renowned in Australia for that kind of those kind of subject matters. So, without further ado, let's get into us. There is a reason you wanted to discuss this topic, particularly, Keith. Yes, absolutely. So, President Trump, in his election campaign in 2016, promised that the United States, if he were elected, the United States would withdraw from these foreign wars that are costing Americans so much blood and treasure. So that's Afghanistan, which is now America's longest war. You've also got Iraq, and which is from 2003. So 2001, after the 9-11 terrorist attack, you get Afghanistan. 2003, President Bush invades Iraq. And then at the time of President Obama, the United States got involved in the Syrian civil war. So you've got both presidents getting bogged down in foreign wars, although the Syrian one has actually cost the United States less in terms of actual numbers of soldiers killed. So, but what is interesting is that Trump, a few weeks ago, decided to honour that election commitment, saying we're going to get out of these countries, starting with Syria, which is the one with the least amount of commitment to it. His own Republican allies turned against him. And Trump had to back down. And so Trump said, all right, well, we'll redeploy the troops. So I'll still keep them in Asia, but instead of working alongside the Kurds, I'll just move them along to protect the oil fields. That has turned out to be a mistake as well, because for many people in the Middle East, the only reason why the United States stays in the Middle East is because of oil. And in a sense, Trump, by trying to get himself out of one tight corner, has put himself into another tight corner. So I thought it'd be useful just to look at, at, at why the Kurdish issue is so significant and why it's really been so damaging to President Trump. I happen to agree with him. America should not be involved in Syria. This was a major error by President Obama, and he's trying to sort out that error. The problem is, though, that the United States now can't withdraw from Syria. So I thought we might just explain a bit about this, the, these people called the Kurds. Yeah, because they were, I mean, they're also most famous, I think, during the 90s and Saddam Hussein. Yep. His regime persecuted these people as well. So they have, and they don't have a homeland, Keith. Yep. I mean, let's look into all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Starting with who are the Kurds and why, and what do we know about them? Well, the Kurds are an ethnic group. They would say they're the largest indigenous population in the world without their own homeland. So their homeland, which they would call Kurdistan, would cover eastern Turkey, northern Iraq, northern Syria, a bit of Iran, and a bit of other local territories. They're about, they would say there are about 30 million people throughout that region. And of course, you also get asylum seekers living in other countries 
as well. So they were within the Ottoman Empire for centuries. At the end of World War I, the Ottoman Empire, what we called Turkey, got broken up. So that meant, therefore, that a lot of the countries that we have now within the Middle East used to be controlled from Constantinople, Istanbul. All those countries became independent. So the, the French grabbed some territory, the British grabbed other bits of territory, and they also promised Jews their own homeland in what is today's Israel. The Kurds, first round, were promised their own homeland. So they thought at long last, we're going to better run ourselves. But the Western countries, particularly France and Great Britain, did not honour that commitment because countries like Turkey said, you're not going to carve out some of our territory to give to these Kurds. And so the, the agreement which was reached at the end of World War I was never honoured. And so these people uh, then remained divided between these newly created countries. So that, as I say, it's Turkey, they're in northern Iraq, northern Syria, a bit in Iran, and a few other of the surrounding territories. So they are seeking to have their own homeland. And from time to time, as the decades roll by in the last 100 years, they've had opportunities for independence. But they've quite often been betrayed. So you mentioned the example of Iraq and Saddam Hussein. So back in 19, August of 1990, Iraq, possibly with American encouragement, we just don't know, Iraq invaded Kuwait. And at the very least, the Americans didn't stop that invasion. There was a, an important conversation that went on between April Glasby, who's fluent in Arabic, and President Saddam Hussein. And shortly thereafter, the Iraqis moved out of the border into Kuwait. And this is the time of George Bush Sr. Senior. So this is George Bush Sr. So George Bush Sr. is then coerced into launching a campaign to liberate Kuwait. It's a brilliant public relations company, run, uh, Hill and Knowlton, although they say we are an ethical company. We, we won't do coups, but this, is a, this ought to be the subject for a separate podcast, how they were able to manipulate the American population in going to war against uh, Iraq, a former American ally, in order to liberate Kuwait. So Kuwait is liberated the following year. Wait, is this the, first, the same American public that just voted for Trump? No, no, maybe maybe a little different. Maybe so, a little different. He so, says a little joke there, but okay, right. we'll continue. <laughs> so Iraq then is, is pushed out of Kuwait. Bush Senior, very wisely in my view, does not then move into Iraq for regime change. But what George Bush Senior did was to say to the Kurds in the northern part of Iraq and the Marsh Arabs in the southern part of Iraq, rebel against Baghdad which they did, but the Americans didn't fall through, follow through. So the poor old Kurds were left in the lurch. They were, they were given to understand that they were going to be supported by the Americans, and that simply failed to materialise. So, you know, the Kurds are an incredibly forgiving group of people. They keep being betrayed, and yet they, they still keep on working with the Westerners. It, it's, for me, it's amazing. So if you look at, at the, the crisis now in Syria, so we move over the border. So thanks to the 2003 American invasion of Iraq, which involved also Australia and the United Kingdom, looking for these non-existent weapons of mass destruction, chaos followed in Iraq. The Americans had not thought through what it would be to occupy a country. So the country fell into chaos. 
out of that chaos, you get Al-Qaeda and then later the Islamic State being formed. And the Islamic State, headed by the late Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, decided to create that what they called the Islamic State. So they redraw, redrew the boundaries drawn up at the end of World War I when the British and the French went in there drawing lines in the old Ottoman Empire. So the Islamic State straddled Syria and northern Iraq, and they then controlled that territory. Very brutal regime indeed. And towards the end of his life, bin Laden was very depressed about how his revolution, which he was hoping to trigger with 2001 and the terrorist attack, how all that have felt fall, fell through because of the extremist violence of people like the Islamic State. So we have the instability in Iraq and Syria. We have the so-called Arab Spring, which begins in North Africa and then gradually moves through from Tunisia into Libya, into Egypt. Then it also gets an uprising in Syria. So you end up with people opposing the Assad regime that is gained as a very brutal dictator, but they all are brutal dictators. So, you know, I can't speak highly of any of the Arab leaders. Brutal dictatorship. Civil war gets underway. And the Kurds figure, oh, this is another opportunity for us to go in and fight. The Americans deployed under President Obama, got involved in this Syrian civil war. Unbelievable complexity. In everybody in the area decided they were going to get involved. They're all supporting different factions. We think at one point the Americans were supporting the Islamic State without knowing it, just in terms of how the weapons get moved around, etc. And so the Kurds took on the Islamic State and 11,000 of their soldiers perished in that struggle. 11,000. The Americans only lost five. So you can see who did the heavy lifting in Syria, right? It's the Kurds. The problem is that you've also got local agendas. So the Turks are saying, we don't want to have these Kurds getting too successful in Syria because that'll be an incentive for the Kurds in Turkey to rebel. So there was a really notorious case when you had on the border between Turkey and Syria, Turkish forces lined up on the border looking at a battle being fought between Islamic State and the Kurds, and the Turks not getting involved at all. It's as though they were watching a football match. Really bad public relations for Turkey. But anyway, so we, we get this disastrous war in Syria. President Assad has now won that war, right? He's not been removed from power. It's different from what we've seen elsewhere in the Arab world because of this so-called Arab Spring. And so Assad remains in power. You've got a, a, a slice of Syria, the northern part of Syria, controlled by the Kurds. President Trump comes to power in 2016, saying, I'm going to withdraw from all of these disastrous wars in which Bush Jr. and Obama got involved. And he started off with pulling out of Syria. But then he suddenly made the announcement via Twitter. No consultation with the military. The military suddenly found themselves being told by the commander-in-chief to pull out of their positions. So they then started to withdraw. There is this sense of betrayal within both the Democrat Party and the Republican Party for why on earth should we leave our allies in the lurch? Because if you're not going to be protecting the Kurds, they're going to get overrun by the, the Turks. So here we have a local agenda. The Turks do not want the Kurds to flourish. And also you've got the problem, of course, the PR 
problem, which is that we do know that Assad used chemical weapons throughout this war. We know we've seen the damage they did. We saw dead babies. We saw all those horrible mm. images. And it's almost like Trump was just going to walk away from all of that. Yep. He's still in power, as you said. Like, yeah, PR disaster. Anyway, we're going to come back to right. this just in a moment. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. In this episode, we're talking about the Kurds. We're breaking down. You would have heard them in some capacity in terms of international sort of headlines in the last couple of months. And in fact, the last couple of decades, they're a a persecuted minority group in the Middle East. But can I just quickly just go back a second? We've just been talking about their role in the Syrian war. But Turkey has a lot to answer for when it comes to the Kurds as well, don't they, Keith? Because they've also persecuted them. Absolutely. So 20% of the Turkish population is Kurdish. Right, so this is part of the old Kurdistan, which was never implemented. So it's the eastern end of Turkey contains a Kurdish population. And so they also have restrained or persecuted their Kurd, their own Kurdish population. And so they see certain groups as terrorist groups, etc. So you're right. So the Kurds are, uh, in Turkey are punished by the Turks. The Kurds in Syria are punished by the Syrian regime or the uh, Iraqi regime. In fact, of course, the most notorious example of gas warfare since World War I was against the Kurds at Halabja by Saddam Hussein, who was then an American ally. This is what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. What they have endured. (laughs) Exactly. And and they um, continue to fight on and... But they keep being betrayed by the Western countries. So there was this. So when Trump said, I'm pulling out, which for me was a logical decision, right? America shouldn't have been involved in Syria in the first place. But then suddenly to pull out without due notice being given just created a very unpleasant taste in the mouths of not only the Democrat politicians, but also the Republicans, because they realized that it was the Kurds who did the heavy lifting in Syria in taking on the Islamic State. And so that is the problem that. President Trump has got. He wants to pull out of a war that America should never have gotten into in the first place. But in doing so, what he's doing is handing over Syria to Turkey and also their new friend Russia. Remember, Turkey and the United States are NATO allies. NATO is now 70 years old. The French president has referred to being brain dead. Well, a good example about how it's brain dead is the way in which you've got these two allies who are now supporting either side in a Syria, Syrian civil war. Meanwhile, NATO, which was formed to oppose Russia, now has a member, Turkey, getting on very well with Russia. <laughs> we also, I think, need to look at the future of NATO as well, because this, the, for me, it's fascinating because... All the old alliances, all the old ways of reasoning no longer seem to apply. Well, I was just about to say, I haven't heard NATO really used in any real context for years, Keith. That's right. In fact, since the uh, operation in Afghanistan. And, of course, a lot of people, even at the time in 2001, said, this is not the North Atlantic. We ought not to be getting involved. That's a se- we ought to look at that, I think, as a separate program on the future of the North Atlantic Treaty Organisation. But for me, what I find fascinating is just the complexity of this issue. So you've got the Kurds who have broad international support amongst the general public, not governments, but broad international support. Uh, they've done incredibly bravely in fighting the Islamic State. They then get betrayed by the Americans. So the 
Americans are pulling out of Syria, which then hands over that part of Syria to Russia and Turkey. So they have done very well out of the Trump withdrawal. Now, Trump would say that's purely coincidental. I'm not here operating as an agent for the Russians, right, which is the complaint that's been made in various contexts about <laughs> Donald Trump. Right. But it's just coincidentally mm. that Putin benefits from this. And so that, that for me is why the Kurdish issue is so important. So you've got the Kurds are from that general part of the world, probably with Indian roots from centuries ago. They're mostly Islamic but also may contain some Christians as well, living in their own separate communities. When they're not fighting foreigners, they're fighting each other. Mm. So you know, it's very much a military race of people. They live um, high up in the mountains. A very Kurdistan, as we know it, is a very mountainous area, very self-sufficient, very tough people which is why the Americans were happy to have them fighting the Islamic Oh, by the way, we, I mentioned Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, whom the Americans killed, who found him. It was the Kurds. They tracked him down. They tipped off the Americans saying, we've found Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the leader of the Islamic State, and it was the Americans who go in there, kill him, and get the praise for killing him. But again, it's the Kurds who have done the heavy lifting. Ah. Uh, why did they learn from this? Why did they take <laughs> the glory for themselves? <laughs> Well, I think there are some of us, you know, who who believe in publicising the Kurdish cause. But yeah, you're right. You know, they just get over, overshadowed by the American public relations machine. And during the Islam and during the war in Syria, by the way, it was the Kurdish women and children who were taken uh, as slaves and made the sex slaves of That's Islamic right. State fighters and girls as young as nine, and the men were killed. Yep. Put into now, mass graves. And that you've also jogged my memory about the the problem of the people who have been captured by the Kurds, including Australians, who were fighting for the Islamic State. So they've been held in prisoner of war camps. Now, Turkey is invading Kurdish territory, and the Kurds are saying, we can't look after these dangerous prisoners of war and fight Turkey at the same time. So some of those people are getting released. What Turkey is saying is they grab them, if they can grab the ones that are scrambling out of the prisoner of war camps, they're saying to countries like Australia, come in and collect your citizens. These are your people who fought for the Islamic State. Some of them are men, but also got women. And some of those women are pretty tough as well, fighting mm. for the Islamic State. Now, my own view is that if you're a, a woman who left Australia to become a warrior bride, well, that is your consequence. The tragedy is you've got a large number of children who clearly have at least one Australian as a parent. What are you going to do about those? Remember, this: there's no public sympathy for these families in Australia, so the immigration minister is taking a very hard line, as are other countries, you know, the, the, the Americans so and no the West Europe. No, they don't want to bring them back into the country, but they are technically their citizens. That's another dilemma. So in the meantime, the poor old Kurds have been... <laughs> Having to deal with them. Holding them, them. that's right. <laughs> so just in, in summary, the Kurds, the future for the Kurds, will there ever be a homeland for them? Well, they will continue to struggle because what we do know from Indigenous peoples is that they're not going anywhere and they will continue to struggle for their own homeland, no doubt continue to be betrayed by Western countries, but they will continue to struggle. And we just have to hope that eventually there'll be greater international sympathy for them. But if you're going to create a Kurdistan, that means chopping off eastern Turkey, northern Syria, northern Iraq, northern Iran. And that ain't going to happen. 
This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.